Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the art that they do. And today, it's my pleasure to have my return guest, Quinn Johnson, here today. Hi, Quinn. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. How are you? Great. I am so excited for you because um, I wish you guys could see this, but for the audience, I am holding his um, Elder of the Runestone um, creation. Uh, It's this amazing comic that um, I was able to order and Quinn is here to talk about this process and this journey that he's been on to create this comic book. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It looks great. And uh, I really appreciate you being on today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're one of my favorite people. And so anytime we get to talk about stuff we love and uh, then that's, I, I appreciate that time. So thanks for, thanks for having me on. No worries. I think I really appreciate you talking about your work today and a little bit of backstory because I think it's so important. I mentioned um, before we got on just this beginning intro and I don't um, I didn't know if you wanted to preface a little bit about the backstory of the creation of this idea origination of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I got the first idea in when I was in ninth grade. And I remember very clearly I was sitting in my physical science class at Butler Middle School <laughs> and, uh, and just got this idea. So the picture that the drawing that we have down there is kind of our recreation of what I, the picture that was in my head, uh, the picture that we have in the little intro there was pretty much what I just pictured where I just, I just had these two characters appear in my head where it was, who is now Scott slash Gar, who's the really huge 12 foot, you know, monstrous guy. And having just smashed through, smashed a hole through the wall of their high school hallway, and he has, and then he has the character who became Cat, like kind of like on his back, and the two of them are like looking through this hole, like it, like they're in the middle of a chase scene or something like that. And so that was the first image that popped into my head, and and uh, and I just thought, man, it'd be really cool to to build out this story and see who these characters are. And so, so the you know the I talk about that in the intro, but the the subtitle of collected book one is Who Are You? And, and so part of that was like, you know, me asking these questions, these, these characters, like, okay, who are you, you know, let, let's build you out, see what your personalities are, who you're, you know, um, what kind of characters you're going to be. And then I built out other characters and then it becomes a big part of the theme of the story. Kind of the, the heart of Elders of the Runestone is these, these five teenagers who end up getting these superhuman abilities and they're, and they, they have to decide what their purpose, you know, they have to figure out what their purpose is, why, what this rune stone was that gave them these powers, what the, if there is a purpose beyond just a fluke that they got these powers, um, which is a question I think all of us ask in our lives at, at different times is, you know, where am I in my life? What do I really stand for? What do I believe? Um, what am I going to do in my life to make a difference or not, you know, or I mean, and everyone kind of has their own way of looking at life and having to figure out who they are and what they want to be. Um, and so that's that's kind of the heart of the characters of Runestone, and it's fun because the characters, the five characters, are Scott, Cat, Jenny, Dane, and uh, Zenith, and they they all come from very different backgrounds, very different social you know circles, uh, very different you know like Scott is very religious, and so that's how he that's how he kind of approaches getting superpowers. Like okay, maybe this is there's some divine purpose in this that I'm he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with his life and. And then there's other characters that come from other backgrounds where they see it as maybe something else. And, and so it's really fun to take all these characters that, that are so different and, and kind of put them all in the same room and see how they interact off each other. Um, and it's fun because it's, you know, we've all been in 
junior high and high school and college and all that stuff. And, and, you know, you have those times where you, you're like wondering where do I belong and how, you know, what, and who my friends are and, and that kind of a thing. And, and, uh, and so that's a big, that's a big part of the story. And so I love, I love the characters. I've come to really, really love these characters. A lot of them are autobiographical in some ways, and some of them are based on friends that I had in some ways. And, and so I, anyway, I'm rambling, but, it, but it, the idea is it's just getting to know, hopefully getting to know yourself better through this really fun adventure uh, is, is what I, what I hope people will get out of it. Well, I thought you, this is just an amazing body of work that you put together. And I'm like, wow, he thought about this when he was in middle school. That's such a deep <laughs> like concept for a middle schooler. And then to bring it to completion like this, I mean, I, I feel like for me, I would be highly overwhelmed by such a large project. And how did you break down such a big project like this in order to get it to completion? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, so when I, so starting off when I was, you know, again in school, I, I just kind of developed the characters. I'd write out their bios, you know, like, you know how Marvel would put out the, the character cards and they're like bio, you know, this is his background or this is her superpower, da, 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 da. So I, and I used to draw like all the time. So I'd always draw, I'd make these character sheets. I'd put them in different situations. I'd kind of evolve the way they looked or the way their powers worked um, and what their background was. And so it just kind of evolved with me writing out these notes. And, and my parents were always very supportive of my passion with art and writing. And so they gave me lots of encouragement and lots of, you know, I filled up art books all the time. I was always drawing on the back of school assignments. And um, so I'd have a whole box of just old art from growing up uh which i which i i put the date on all of them just 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 in case i ever became famous one day be like this is where i was when i drew this picture so that's kind of a fun nostalgic thing for me and um yeah and just kind of developed it that way eventually when i got to you know college-ish after after college uh i started writing down the actual script i started at least my first draft of a script of you know here's here's trying to write out like you know page one of issue one you know this is panel one, this happens, panel two, this happens. And I'd sketch it out. Originally, I planned to draw the whole thing myself too, because I, I drew all the time growing up. Mm -hmm. And then gradually as we, uh, you know, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design as, as you did, and, and we have that great connection there. And I met Robert Atkins, who we met through church and through classes. And so he's my best friend and, and is one of the main artists on the book. And he's the art director for the whole series, my partner on the whole thing. So we met and at that point, you know, I started really, kind of made, trying to build out at least a rough draft or a first shot at, at building out this comic. So that was the first attempt. That was the first attempt of kind of building it out. And then as Robert and I uh, developed it over the years and it took on a more professional format and I edited like crazy and did several different drafts and all that, so. Wow. So how do you stay so motivated for a long-term <laughs> project like this? Yeah, well, so, it, like I said, I just, these characters just really spoke to me. And, and again, a lot of it is because it was a way for me in, in some ways, not only was it a, is a way for me to explore myself and, and this is going to sound lofty, I guess, but the human condition, you know, the way to, to just, just to kind of explore why people are the way they are, how we all deal with things and kind of the, the beauty inside everybody and uh, as well as the bad and so that was a big part. I just felt very connected to these characters and kind of using it as a means to explore myself in a way. And, but also it, it, 
you know, I put everything into this, this series that I've ever wanted in a comic book. You know, you got, you've got huge explosive action, you've got chase scenes, you've got ninjas, you've got robots, you've got horror elements, you've got romance, you've got fun, you know, some funny moments. And so it's basically like my favorite comic book because it's everything I've ever wanted in a comic book and I got to do it the way I wanted to do it. So, so I just, if I were to just quit or give up, it just would feel wrong. It would just, it just wouldn't feel right to, to give up on something that I'm so passionate about. So I, and I've always just felt like, you know, I'm a religious person and I've always felt like if I'm trying to keep the Lord involved in this whole process, then he'll guide me and, and get me through the tough snags, which are inevitably going to inevitably going to happen. But if this is really important to me, then he'll help me to, to figure out. And so that's, that's been the process these last several years. Well, you definitely figured it out. I mean, it's so well done and professional. And it's interesting, this this team you built that, you know, to collaborate on this project with Robert and some of the other names that I saw in the book. Um, when I think about it, it kind of reminds me of the parallel between the superhero team that you created. Everybody kind of has their role. Yeah. They oh, pull yeah. It together. That's fun, and yeah. I just... I was just amazed because you truly have some serious leadership qualities, being able to hold <laughs> a team like this together, collaborate and long-term, even if you are best friends. Okay. Like I, I think that because there's that push and pull you as a writer and like, how do you build a team like that? How do you know that these are the right people? Because I've seen in my classes as a teacher, like students right. will be like, I'll encourage them, like team up, pair up. You never know where it could go to. And like, okay. you guys are like the perfect example. Like, how do you know when you find those people who belong on your team? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good question too. So, so, so there was, there's different parts to it. One of them was just going to SCAD was a big deal for me. Um, I felt like I had, I had heard about SCAD when I was in school, when I was in high school, but at, when I'm, you know, when you're a junior in high school and you're just getting boatloads of stuff from colleges and you're like, it's just too much. And so I kind of put it off, but I, but it, I remembered that they had a whole program doing sequential art, which is what I always wanted to do was comics and, and video games and that kind of a thing. So that was in my mind. And then I kind of let it drift off and, and, uh, and then I ended up getting called on a mission a two-year mission for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints in georgia um and had a good experience there and then i got home and i was like what am i going to do now because i i realized i didn't really know exactly what i wanted to do for college and stuff and then i remembered this school in georgia and i felt like the lord was like hey i just let you live in georgia for two years and experience that so now it's not so scary and you've grown up a bit and so now it's time to follow your dream and so i went and totally feel like me meeting robert was meant to happen and and uh and so so thankfully robert is is uh you know very devoted very dedicated very good guy so we worked together really really well um so that was a big big part you know we we got to the point where i was like hey i <laughs> i realized after being at scad that uh there's a lot of people here who are way better artists than i ever will be as good as i thought i was before i went to scad and robert was just amazing and so i just said hey you know um, how would you feel about teaming up on Elders of the Runestone? And and so he said, yeah. And so so the two of us were kind of have been the core the whole time um, as we worked on the book over the years. You know, reality is that that it takes a lot, lot longer to do than you think, especially when so like Robert was the main artist. Um, he did all the art for issue one, all the art for issue two. Um, but we realized that 
you know, <laughs> that he, his full-time job was being a comic book artist where he, every, every, every uh, day that he spends working on this passion project that we have where we're not making money yet yeah. is money that he could be making when he's doing a paying job to take care of his family. Right. Yeah. So, so it was just hard. And especially after he's working these like 11, 12 hour days, just drawing like crazy to keep food on the table. And then let me squeeze in some time to work on runestone. And it just takes a really long time. Anybody, anybody who's worked in comics before knows that it's not, you know, a comic book isn't just something you whip out. It's, it takes a lot of time to do the penciling and then the whole inking and then the coloring. And then it's so a lot of time, you know, a, a comic book team will be one artist does the penciling, one artist does the inking, one artist does the coloring, um, you know, because it just takes each phase takes so much time and so much dedication and money. So it's expensive too to, to run something like this. So that was at that point, we realized, you know, let's go ahead and as much as we would love Robert to be the main artist on the whole thing, it just isn't realistic if we're ever going to get this done. And it took us, you know, well, from the, from when I first got the idea in ninth grade to now over 27 years, you know, it took us that long to get it done. And, um, and from meeting Robert at SCAD almost 20 years ago, it took us just a long time. So, so we brought in some other artists. We, we looked at artists uh, online that we liked. Um, some of them were people that Robert had known about or, or worked with um, people that we thought were their art was a good match that it was close enough to Robert's that it wouldn't seem like it was a totally different series that you're reading all of a sudden if you know with a different artist so that was part of it so we really liked we you know we worked with Dan Glassell we worked with Dwayne Biddick's um, they came in and worked Robert did um, the layouts and, and kind of was still an art director for them to guide them just because he had he had more experience than them at that point and so it was still cohesive, you know, it still, it still felt like it all worked, went together really well. And so they were great to come in and do the, do the hefty lifting for the drawing for issues two and three. And then Robert came back and finished issue four. And so that was really great. So, so yeah, it was just a matter of looking at their work, seeing, you know, are they good to work with? Are they, is their arts, you know, is their skill really good? Um, and, and then just knocking it out. So that's, you know, and, that, and those challenges, that's one of the reasons why it took so long for us to get it done, uh, just because of real life challenges like that. And we're grateful that, that everything came together and we finally got book one launched a couple of weeks ago. So nice. And so how was it working like remotely with the team like that? Because I was curious how that yeah. line of communication, I mean, nowadays because of a pandemic i'm sure everybody's used to remote working <laughs> but you know you were doing it before it was cool to yeah. do all that remote <laughs> yes. stuff so like how do you how do you like communicate and how do you make sessions where if every you know everybody has their careers going and into yeah. this passion project well it was very challenging to be honest i mean like you said we didn't have we didn't use zoom or anything like that back then so it was mostly emails uh some phone calls texts just, just to, so it's funny because like a lot of these artists that I've worked with and that I've done a ton of work on the book, like who never have actually like talked to each other face to face in real life. So we, if they were like in a crowd, I might not be like that guy. I'd be like, oh, you're that. I like actually we were at like we uh, our colorist who did a lot of the coloring for the first book is Bob Pedroza and he'd done a bunch of coloring for us for a while and then and then we met up with him at uh, I think it was it was a Chicago comic convention and. And I had, and we were going to meet up. So I had like, looked, I'm like, I think that's him. And so we met for the first time. And even though we talked a whole bunch online and so that's, uh, that was the, you know, how it went, which, which has its challenges because then, you know, if they're going through something and they're stuck on 
some delay or whatever and you don't hear from them you're like okay what's going on and that causes delays and so that's you know we had stuff like that which was a challenge um the nice thing where we are now is we do use zoom um our current artist for issue like the main penciler and anchor is naomi sky with robert and continuing on as the main art director um, but she is our main artist for issue five onward um and she's awesome and she was a former student of robert's so he knew her and knew that her skill was amazing and she's a dream to work with and so we we uh we do zooms as needed every now and then to go over new character designs or to go over like if if you know to just collaborate and say oh well, maybe let's tweak this panel here let's fix let's let's tweak this character design here and um so it's much easier now than it used to be and uh and we collaborate a lot more closely so i actually do know what naomi looks like because we've talked several times and <laughs> and she's she's fantastic so wow i mean that's the lovely part with the technology with the zoom thing I, you know it's just it seems so strange and now you're like oh i don't really remember a time where we didn't kind of yeah this and you know so yeah, which yeah. i'm grateful for because i get to talk to you and kind of in person about what you're working on and oh, and by the way, I really loved at the end here. Um, there's like like process. I always love reading about process where yeah. any uh, artist or collaboration goes through. And it was really fascinating that you guys save this and then put them in the end of the comic. And I was wondering, you know, during that time span, did you guys just was it always like you were in sync or did it get better over time that collaboration of just kind of knowing oh i bet you quinn's gonna say this or robert's gonna say this you know because then yeah. you work together so long or was it always like you were in sync with each other that's a good question so we i i think it was definitely a process we uh, we talk regularly so robert and i have always talked regularly on the phone so we'd go over stuff more immediately and um so I feel like we were always, we were always, if, if one of us did something where the other one was like, ah, oh, maybe we could tweak this. Let me, let's talk about this. Then we could talk and get it figured out. But, but I feel like Robert and I have been in sync really, really well for ever since the beginning, definitely easier now, like you said, with technology being what it is. And, um, but I feel like we were always on the same page. There was a couple of times where I'd go like, Hey, actually maybe change this little thing. And, or he'd say, hey, actually in the script, it says this, but I think it would make more sense if the camera was here and if we we showed this part. Um, so like, for instance, if there's a conversation where the five characters are having a conversation, um, but in you know one of the panel, only three of them are involved in that particular part of the conversation, there's not really a typically a need to draw all five of them, all five of them, all five of them, when you only need to draw those three to really focus on them. And then you're, that's less artwork and it varies the shots. and. So he he's always had really really good storytelling techniques with all that and and how to make that all work and um and he, you know and then it's awesome doing fight choreography with him because I'll describe in my mind I'm pretty detailed with the fight choreography that I describe in the script but then he's you know he's an expert at all that because he's worked on GI Joe with ninjas and soldiers like crazy and so he'll he'll do his take on it and it'll just look amazing and so yeah so we've always worked really really well together that's that's fantastic and it shows in the end product i mean it's this i i wish people could see this it's just a podcast but i was like i was like smelling the ink i always <laughs> love good printing and then just the the cover it's just it's it's beautiful and 
I know when you had been on a, as a previous guest, you had mentioned that um, you had done some fundraising via Kickstarter. Yes. Yep. And I was curious um, because at the time I didn't really know much about Kickstarter. And then I was right. kind of like, this was a question from all those years back that I wish I'd ask. So it was like, was there any like things that you look back on that from doing the Kickstarter, like that you learned, like maybe some pros and cons that you. Yeah, well, absolutely. And like you said, it was still fairly new at the time. Um, definitely new to us, but we, we were doing the best we could with what we had to, to figure it out and to make good decisions and all that. Um, in hindsight, like there are definitely things that we would have done differently in hindsight. And honestly, like Kickstarter has evolved quite a bit from then to where it is now. So there's a lot of things that, that people have figured out are way more effective or whatever. Um, one of the things that's, that's become, my understanding has become more of a popular way to do it on Kickstarter is rather than do what we did, which I think is what a lot of Kickstarter was at the beginning was, we don't have enough money for this project. We're really passionate about it. Um, we're putting it out there with, with what we have created thus far. And, and then backers will donate, you know, they'll, they'll back you with, with financial, with, with money so that you can finish the project, um, which is what we did. But then, but the way they do it now, well, we, uh, the way, a popular way to do it now that in hindsight, I, this is how we would do it going forward if we did it again, is, is to basically say, the art is already done. We, we have enough money on our own. We've, we've worked hard enough and we've raised enough money on our own that, that the book is either completely done or like just a couple pieces away from being completely done. And the funding that you provide will is one, a way for us to, to build an audience and find people who are interested right off the bat. Uh, but two, Basically, the money you're providing will just help us add some polish to it or will help with the printing costs or whatever. And then, I mean, so basically once this campaign is done, we can finish it and ship it out to you very quickly. Mm. Um, so it becomes, so the danger becomes, you know, Kickstarter is, has never really been a pre-order, like a, like a pre-order service, like a store, mm. but that's how people have come to look at it now where they're like, well, yeah, you know, I contributed this much money and therefore I'm expecting it to be in my mailbox by this time. Uh -huh. um, but that's, you know, but it's not really a pre-order story. And Kickstarter says that all the time, they have all these disclaimers like, hey, we don't guarantee these projects. We don't guarantee that they're gonna pay, they're gonna make the, pro they're gonna finish the project. You're just helping to fund it because you wanna support this thing happening. So that kind of gets lost sometimes, um, you know, but so, so yeah. And there's, there's been, there's been some really cool campaigns that I've seen where they did that. Like there was a, one of my favorite video games that came out a couple of years ago is called Bloodstained. And it was a, it was a passion project by the guy who, who was the producer on the Castlevania series for a long, long time. And it was his passion project. And he was basically like, and their campaign followed this where he says, I have already partnered with a video game studio um, we already have the money. We're going to make this game regardless, but we wanted to prove to the world that there's still an audience for this genre of game. Um, and then whatever extra money we raise from this will basically, you know, add features and add stretch goals and all these cool things, but we're, all, we're already going to make the game. Um, so in hindsight, that's what I would love to do moving forward. Uh, if we do it again, um, that way it's, it's, and, and it's nicer for the backers because then they don't have the situation like we had where we struggled for 10, almost 10 years to get this project done. And people are like, okay, is this thing ever really going to happen? You know, did they take the money and go to Tahiti, you know, and we're like, no, no, here's some more updates. We're trying to keep it posted, yeah. but it's, you know, it's hard. And, 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 and just having that emotional burden <laughs> of always thinking about these backers who for almost 10 years were like waiting, like, oh my gosh, is this thing ever going to happen? Um, 
you know, we took that very personally and, and really have cared about giving them what they, you know, giving them something really special. And so, yeah, so that's, so it's an emotional roller coaster. So that, that, those are some of the things that in hindsight, I would, we would do differently moving forward. And definitely we're in a better position now. Like I'm not rich, but I'm in a better financial position now, definitely than I was, you know, 10 years ago when we had the Kickstarter and when we're like, we really do need to raise some money to help pay the artists and everything. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely, we definitely in a better position if we were to do it all over again than if, than we were when we did it 10 years ago. But, you know, uh, it's still, I think that at the end you created something beautiful that you have, that people are probably very happy that they, that they waited that you, well, thank you. Because I think because you realized like what you commented about understanding where your viewpoint, the empathy, empathy towards the backers that you wanted to make the best product that you yeah. deliver and that it really showed that this was a passion project that you thought of every everything with it so i i just yeah. i'm floored it's just beautiful and i just so professional and the drawings and everything and the Thank story you. was great and i hadn't read a comic in so long and i was like oh when you <laughs> i was like oh i, I can't i gotta get off now because i gotta read your comic book <laughs> so i was like i got myself a cup of tea and so i am so excited for you and and that, you know, now people get to hear about it. They get to hold it and they get to feel it. So yeah. how, how are you getting the word out? What's your, what's been your marketing approach? Well, the, so we are, and definitely we're still learning that as we go to, because we're primarily creators and not uh, yeah. you know, marketing type people. But um, so we have, you know, we had our, we had our Kickstarter backers who were very long suffering and patient. So they, you know, a lot of them have continued to, to be aware of the project or follow it. Um, and, and we're very happy when they finally got the book in the mail and, and uh, and then we've been we have been promoting on uh, we've been doing a lot of promos on Instagram and on social media so that's been really fun we actually had uh, because uh, kind of the fun Japanese chibi style of characters is really really popular on Instagram um, we had Naomi actually do some I wrote some scripts for some short little little cute silly chibi style comics of the characters. And Naomi drew those because she can do several different styles and they look fantastic. So I've been posting a bunch of those uh, as a way of like people to see it and be like, oh, that's cool. And then we'll also include like another slide of like, and here's some stuff about the actual comic and the artwork from the actual comic to get people interested. So that's been a big thing. Um, we've, we are, we started using MailChimp, oh, which cool. is a, a service that you can basically it lets you build a, like an email newsletter. That's one of the main things you can do with it. So the people who subscribe, you know, who want to get more information on updates and on fun behind the scenes Easter eggs or, or like, hey, what's the new issue coming out or whatever, you can, you can build a fan base who are excited to follow you. Uh, and so we're, we're trying that out. And, and it's nice because it's people who actually want to get the email because they signed up for it. And then it's, and then it's, uh, and then it allows you to, you know, they kind of become like the loyal fans and you're sharing like cool inside information with them because you know, they, you know, you, you, they care about it the most. And it also is a great way to promote future releases, which, which theoretically will help those sales in the future as well. And so, yeah, those are just some of the things that we're doing, but we're always, we're always trying to take one step, at, you know, one step at a time and then build out what we're doing to get the word out. So hopefully, and hopefully, you know, podcasts like this and, and, and signings that we've done in comic stores, those are other ways for people to find out about it. It's always interesting to me how different people, how different people find out about things in their own way. Like there's movies or comic books or music that I've discovered like years later through some 
conversation or through some random post that somebody posted, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I'll look and I'll become like a huge fan of this thing. But I had to discover it in my own time and way and not necessarily when they did the big, when it first came out, you know. So I'm still discovering like music that I absolutely love that came out that other people have heard about for years, but I just wasn't in the know. And so I'm, you know, and I kind of think about this. I'm like, for me, discovering the the original uh, Peter P, or Eastman and Laird Ninja Turtles comics mm. when I was a kid blew my mind and helped me realize what I wanted to do with my own comic career when I grew up. And so I'm excited by the idea that somewhere, sometime, and maybe years down the road, but some kid will discover our comic book and and for them that will be the thing that they're like oh my gosh and it just like really fires up their imagination and, and inspires them to want to do something of their own so yeah sure will i mean but i just i really appreciate you sharing all these inside details um behind your creative process and bringing this project to completion uh, at least the part one of three. So are you allowed to talk about what is in the future? Yeah, or, yeah. Or is it like, uh, you know? Oh, well, I can tell you some things. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so the first so the first book that, that we are that we're talking about today that just came out collects issues one, two, three, and four, which are available digitally separately if people want to do that. Um, and then book two, and we're going to so basically, we're going to start releasing our plan is to start releasing issues five, six, seven, and eight uh digitally one at a time over the next year um and then eventually collect that into a physical book too so that'll be so that'll you know be part so like it says on the cover of this one it's you know it's it's series one part one of three and then the next book will be series one part two of three and then we and then the script and so and that's actually almost all produced already we're we're about we're done with five six and seven and about halfway through eight with production so that'll be done quickly so we'll be ready to go for that. And then we're immediately going to jump on production of 9, 10, 11, and 12, which will be book three, which will finish off the whole first series one and the for the first big main story arc. Uh, so that's the big plan for that. This, this first story arc really introduces the characters. It introduces them getting their powers. And it introduces them kind of starting to get to know each other a little bit better and, and kind of begrudgingly <laughs> by the end, working together to fight this common enemy. Uh, the next book, I'm really, really excited about where things go because in the next few issues um, in five, six, seven, and eight, which will become book two, it really delves a lot deeper into not only the plot and and more about them like evolving their powers and and getting to get a better idea of this threat, this the monolith that is introduced as like a, a, the main villain in the first book. So that all gets developed, but it also really gets a lot more deep into their lives. Um, you know. I, I think book one or book one is is a lot of how people are in real life where you meet someone and you see what they are on the surface or at least the personality or the image of themselves that they kind of put out there and you're like oh okay he's that kind of guy or oh, she's that kind of girl and which is kind of where they are in in book four by the end of book by the end sorry by the end of book one um they the, you they can kind of start to see some of the other facets of each other some of the deeper stuff in each other so they're kind of being like okay maybe this person isn't isn't what I thought they were right on the surface. And then the next five, six, seven, and eight, which will be book two, it gets a lot deeper into each person's what's going on in their family life and why they are the way they are and, and the stuff that they're struggling with. And so I, I've told people this, it's like, I was rereading it, <laughs> rereading the first four issues. And I'm like, Dane is just the worst. He's just this horrible jerk of a character. And you just want to punch him every time he talks. But then 
but then there's like some stuff where it happens and when you get to know what his situation is in the next few issues that I'm like man I just really feel for this guy and and you realize he's 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 got some really he's got a good heart inside him it just that he has some things to work through and and that's kind of like that with all the characters so it becomes when you get to see more about what their families are like because you don't really see much of their families in the first book um, but of course then that makes it a lot more personal uh, and it raises the stakes because you know, the danger becomes a lot more real and becomes a lot more, things get a lot more intense and crazy in the next story arc too. So, so we're trying to ratchet up that tension as the plot continues to develop and revelations are unfolded. So. Well, it's fascinating that you've done this and, you know, I just would love for people who are listening to be able to check out a copy of this. So where can you actually like physically order one or learn yeah. more about the series? So the so for the so the main website for Elders of the Runestone is just runestonecomic.com. That's the main website that we have for it. And from there, uh, there's there's all sorts of I mean, like from the main page, you can you can click on the link to buy the physical copy that'll take you right to the Amazon page. Um, there's also all the options to buy it digitally if you want to buy the digital collected book or if you want to buy the issues one two three or four individually in a digital format you can do that right from the main page so that's the pl place to go for that and then the website's also cool because we're and we're gradually building it out but there's like a whole section on um the characters there's a whole section on that's for fans where fans who have sent in artwork will get their stuff showcased and and then links to, we'll have links to like interviews like this and other cool stuff that we've done like videos that we've done and um so yeah so we're excited to build that out and actually what, what the plan is right now is with our with our uh another thing they can do is on the website they can sign up to get email updates so they can be part of our super fans newsletter cool. and uh and when they're on that then they're going to get some of the cool inside stuff a little bit before everybody else and then eventually we'll release some those things that we share on there on our on our uh, like either our fans uh, section of our website or the extras section of our website. So we'll just be building out the content from there and it'll be fun to see where things go. Oh, well, I just, it, it amazes me because the conversation, I think back, it's been a while since we first talked about yeah. this. I'm just so like amazed and like, I really, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud to know Quinn Johnson because he's taken something that was his passion project, a dream. And it's an inspiration for anybody who listens because I think that you don't always have to ask for permission. Like I tell my students, like at the end of the day, do you really, this creative idea that you have, do you have to always ask for permission? You can do this if you, yeah, because there's so many resources out there now compared to yeah. even like 20 plus, 20 plus years ago when we were doing our undergrad and stuff. And now the, the doors are wide open, the things that yeah. you can do. And I think it's, such a great way to learn things and not be afraid to fail to put yourself out there and I think it's fantastic that you accomplished all that thank you well and, and kind of the philosophy that's guided me this whole time is is again trying to keep the Lord involved just so I'll get so I just to be open to ideas or opportunities that I may not have thought of or, or snags that we come up with like okay this is a learning opportunity so now we better understand how this part works and here's an opportunity we have and and then just taking one step at a day, you know, taking one day at a time and building it out bit by bit. And it's actually pretty cool. We so we're currently also looking for a full time publisher to be a partner with us on the future releases and on reprintings of book one. So that's something that we're, we're pursuing right now with some publishers. Um, and then we also this is like a dream come true. We partnered with a, a so I'm a huge fan of the synthwave music genre. 
and we've partnered with our official partner is uh, a synthwave artist named Mega Hit from uh, Hungary, and he's awesome. And so he's become our official music partner for all of our musical needs. And then he can use our artwork for his albums and all this other stuff. So check out his stuff. Wow. Uh, so that's been super, super cool to, to start actually like seeing some of these dreams come true and having some of these professional partnerships to help the story reach all sorts of people and in all sorts of formats. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations, Quinn. And thank you. Continued success. And thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, everybody, uh, thanks for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Thank you.